Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Riders roll. What's up, guys? Chad and Nate. This is Nate. Chad sitting in the other seat today because I got some questions I want to ask Chad. Oh, oh, I'm on the hot seat. You're on the hot seat, man. How does I mean, it feel? It's like a police uh, interrogation thing. That's right. Okay. What are you hiding? What? <laughs> I'm hiding all kinds of stuff. I got all kinds of secrets. All right, we got two hours to get it out. All right. First off, I'm going to start by saying um, this week I was I was in California um, for my fantasy football draft with my buddies. I called it. Uh, Nate's fantasy football bro draft. That's pretty accurate. Connecting with your bros. Yep. Uh, James Merrill, I was like, how come it doesn't do it on Zoom? I was like, because it's much cooler in person. Way cooler. It's like one reason to get together. Right. You, know, you don't have a lot of those as you get, get older. older. Right. Right. So once a year, I get to see my friends. Um, we went back to San Luis Obispo, which is where we all met at Cal Poly like 25 years ago. So um, we did the draft, played some golf, had some fun, had some laughs. Wrote it up. Wrote it up. Saturday morning, I wake up, and I, and I pop on the TV. And what do I see? NFL Network. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos and Bills. Nice. I caught it midway through the first quarter, so it was 3-0. Broncos and Bills were driving. And Josh Allen. I, I, I turned it on just in time to see Josh Allen throw that 40-yard strike for a touchdown. Josh Allen, uh, the perfect passer rating is 158.3. Yeah. Josh Allen's passer rating was 158. Point three. Wow. Three for three, one touchdown. Wow. And so it, it, it got worse from there. <laughs> it was, it was kind of downhill, yeah. It got worse from there. But before we get into all that, because I know we're going to critique the game, what were the bright spots, from your opinion, being there? The bright spots of the Broncos game. Uh, I liked uh, Trey Quinn in the fourth quarter. Uh, Trey Quinn uh, had an opportunity that maybe he didn't get uh, in the joint practice against the Cowboys in the game against the Cowboys. He... Seize the opportunity. Opportunities are nothing unless you're able to actually go out there and seize them. So uh, tip of the cap to Trey Quinn uh, in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. I thought Brett Rippon was good, 22 of 26. Um, He wasn't great, but I think he made the backup quarterback conversation uh, much more of a conversation after Josh Johnson's really great uh, first game last week against the Cowboys. Uh, And that first offensive drive where they went down and got a touchdown against the Bills' number one defense, that was also pretty good. Field goal? Uh, it was a field goal. Didn't yep. get a touchdown, so yep. just field goal. Um, but they, they they drove the ball, um, you know, had some success on that drive. So I think the scripted plays of that drive were pretty good. Um, but outside of that, it's uh, pretty hard Mike Boone had one nice run, uh, which had a spin in it, and also had a nice reception, which also had a spin in it. Okay. Um, yeah, those are the highlights. And uh, that took, uh, what, two minutes to go over the highlights. So after the after the um, Bills' first team was out, it was twos versus twos. Yep. And then threes versus threes, and that was comparable. It was never twos and threes or threes and fours or anything like that. Well, there was a bit of a mix. Uh, Shaq Lawson, uh, the uh, defensive end for the Bills, he played, I think, the whole game, number 90. Um, and he's probably, for some teams, would be a, a guy who could be in the starting rotation. 
So he played the whole game. So there was some of that. But Albert O also played most of the game, and he's in consideration for being the Broncos star. So those, some of those guys who are quasi-starters, run with the ones, maybe, you know, are actually a, a more of a, a second-team guy depending on, you know, depth and quality of starters and all that. Both those kind of guys played for both teams, uh, uh, you know, part of the game. So not a lot of good, but a little bit. A little bit, yes. A little bit. So if you're Nathaniel Hackett, what are you taking away from this game? What, how are you addressing your team after this loss? Mm. I thought about that. I, I thought long and hard about that because when we've met with Coach Hackett and we met with Coach Evero and Coach Howden, they are very clear about uh, what Coach Evero talked about with the Rams and Sean McVay. When you have your program built and you think you've come up with the right program, you don't let the, the day-to-day, the game-to-game the game game change your program. Your program is what you are and what you believe in. So you rely upon that. So, you know, for all those discussing, um, you know, were practices physical enough, have starters played enough, all that kind of stuff, if this is the program you put in place, I suppose you always got to read and react. But at the same time, if you believe in what you're doing and you came and you arrived at this point, not because, you know, you had a gut feel about, well, you know, I think we don't play the starters at all this year, but you've really done your research, relied upon your experience around the league, then, yeah, I don't think your conversation is much about what you've established as a practice routine or a game routine and more about the product on the field. Yeah, we knew the Bronco 2s versus the Bills 1s was going to be a, a tough uphill fight. Um, Coach uh, talked about it being a great opportunity for those guys. But at the same time, there's a reason why some guys are 1s and some guys are 2s. There's just a difference in talent level. But as the game went along, the overall the Bronco team did not match what the Bills were bringing from an energy and particularly from a physical standpoint, on the offense and defensive lines. Uh, so, yeah, I can't be upset about their ones having some success, and even Case Keenum having some success against you know my number two or number three defense or a two or three offense. But you got to be able to match what your opponent brings. At some point, everybody on that Broncos team who was on the field who's going to make the opening day roster, they're going to have to play this season. And they're not going to play against twos and threes. They're going to play against ones. So show your medal, show your toughness, show what you have, because I have to expect you to be able to match whatever your opponent is and what he brings game in and game out, play in and play out. Denver had 274 total yards. The Buffalo Bills had 510 yards. So they pretty much doubled them up yardage-wise. You talked about energetically. There, it was a clear difference yes. from what you were seeing. What do you think accounts for that? Because um, obviously the Bills are an established team. They're a front runner to be a Super Bowl um, contender um and they and there there's a program that's been in place for a while right so guys know what to expect this is a new program here this is a new camp a new idea what accounts for that difference that's a good question uh the broncos had three of their tough style practices last week um so i think monday wednesday thursday and we knew thursday uh we heard some uh, stuff about that practice you know offense and defense jawing at each other justin simmons and russell wilson getting into it so maybe they were tired from that, those. I didn't hear that. Yeah, you were out of town. You missed this. I missed that. Yeah, so uh, I guess it was a complete defense-dominated day. Wow. They stopped uh, the offense a couple times in, in goal line periods, a uh, bit of jawing at practice. Now, they always kind of, we've, we've seen there, there's a bit of jawing at practice, but you don't expect Justin Simmons and Russell Wilson to get into it. It's two of the more uh, 
level-headed guy. Leaders on, e- on either side. Yeah. Offense, right? Yeah. Um, I asked Coach uh, Hackett about that, and he was like, yeah, we jaw all the time. Everyone talks. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a bit unusual for those two guys to talk. But uh, so could they have been tired? Could they have been wrung out from having three tough practices in, in a week? Um, it's possible. It's a long road trip all the way to Buffalo. Yeah. It was an early start. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the body clock was definitely different. You know, I doing the broadcast, trying to get myself ramped up to do the broadcast. I was like, it's, you know, it's 11 o'clock in, uh, in Denver right now. I'm leaving the hotel at 7 o'clock Denver time to get to get there. So there's possibly that. At the same time, this is the schedule. It's whenever the game kicks off, you got to find a way to get ready. Get your butt up and get going. Whether you're a coffee guy, a ride-the-bike guy, a sauna guy, a steam room, whatever it takes, find a way to get yourself ready. Um, so, you know, I suppose there's lots of things you could point to about why the results what they were. But in the end, they're all just excuses because this is the NFL. You are expected to match what your opponent brings. And I don't care if it's a 9 o'clock p.m. kickoff for Monday Night Football on the East Coast or it's a uh, you know a, a 1 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Colorado time kickoff. Get yourself going. Get yourself ready to play. For me, I think the biggest concern is, you know, that first, that first game against the Cowboys um, – they won the game, but the the negative part was their rush defense and their rushing attack. Right. So that's something that you know when you do we don't do something right, you spend the next week trying to fig- figure that out, and you and you make that a point of emphasis in meetings. And so they went into this Buffalo Bills game, um, knowing that the running game was was the deficiency. We got to get that part right, and they didn't get that part right. They gave up two hundred and eight yards on the ground, and only rushed for thirty two yards. Um, that's a what we call a disparity between a the bit. two teams. Yeah, a bit. And uh, so how do you get that going? Because I heard Mike Evans talking about, hey, the Broncos are not going to be ready for, ga- for game one, and that's okay. No, it's that's not. That's okay. Like, oh, no, it's not. Because most of the teams in the NFL, they're not going to be ready, and that's fine. You know, there's 17 games in the <sighs> season. Why even worry about <laughs> week one, Chad? We cannot start doing the baseball and basketball thing where games aren't important. This is football. Every game is live or die. Every single game. So the Broncos went 3-0 and in preseason last year. Mm-hmm. They played all their starters. I think they understood, or Vic understood, that they had to get off to a hot start because the team he had and the schedule was was difficult on the back end. They started off 3-0. and And uh, they won their first three, three games in the regular season, too. Mm-hmm. Then went on a four-game slide. How do you prepare yourself for week one? Because I agree with you. You have to be ready to go. And we've talked about this schedule. This schedule is, is harder in the back half again. These guys have to come out to a hot start. How can they do that? We're going to get into that and more next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. Well, before the break, Chad, we were talking about uh, this game and, and and whether or not it matters because the Broncos got uh, mollywopped 42-15. to 15. <laughs> I think that's the technical term. Yes. Um, Buffalo scored seven in the first, 21 in the second quarter. 21. And that's twos versus twos, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, those are your, and those are guys who are going to be on the team versus guys who are going to be on the team. 
guys who are going to be playing valuable minutes at some point versus guys who are going to be playing valuable minutes. Yeah, that was... Right, uh, or at least guys who are fighting for that spot. Yeah, you know, the, the long run by Blackshear, that was Baron Browning playing outside linebacker, didn't squeeze the gap, allowed massive holes for Blackshear to run through. It was Caden Stearns who came up and missed the tackle. Both those guys are going to be expected to contribute to this defense and make tackles. So, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, we had our crumb bombs out there. This guy's going to be on the street in a couple of days. No, those are guys who the Broncos will be counting on to make plays. And Baron Browning was one of the shining stars the previous week. Yep. So what accounts for that? Because, so part, look, we, we were, we were I wouldn't say hard on Coach Hackett, but we were skeptical about the way the training camp was run. Mm-hmm. based on the lack of physicality, right? But then the Cowboys came in, and the Broncos pushed him around. And we said, well, that must have been the correct approach because it worked, at least in the, in this one example that we have. And now we have two examples. And on the second example, they got pushed around. Um, and so what accounts for the difference from week to week? It's the same team. It's the same guys. Why are they? Why did they look so so bad against the Bills? And really, pretty darn good against the Cowboys. Uh, I think you know preseason is a little bit like uh, I don't know elementary school athletics. And what I mean by that, kids are at such different stages of development in elementary school. So if you're a coach and you coach an elementary school team, you have you may have a kid who you know starting in the sixth grade who's starting to get a little facial hair. And you got another little kid who's still like, you know, 46 pounds. So there's some guys on the Broncos team right now who have not hit puberty. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, They're starting to get hair in funny places, voices cracking. <laughs> well, Kyle, I was less about the specifics of the guys, but more about where the team is from week to week. Um, the Cowboys have done, you know, I think they're on their third set of joint practices. So the, the Cowboys be really focusing on those joint practices and not really giving much attention to the games from a game plan standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, from playing uh, guys who are going to contribute standpoint. That could certainly be the case. Um, but from, in the preseason, you know, it's 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 always difficult to tell. So I don't want to take too much from the Cowboys game, and also I don't want to take too much from here in game two. Um, the trends from both games are a little bit more alarming. The lack of run game on both sides of the ball, defending the run, being an effective run team, uh, getting pushed around in, in the trenches, that's a scary, uh, unsettling trend. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to say this team is, you know, going to suck because of what happened out there versus the Bills. I don't want to say Coach Hackett's methods are wrong. It's one game good and one game bad in the Coach Hackett experiment uh, of training camp thing. Um, and because it's just one game on either side, I'd like to see more. Um, and I think we will, really won't be able to tell until the regular season goes because in the end, if he doesn't play any starters or very, very few starters play, uh, you know, Malik Reed played again. Malik Reed will probably get to start if Randy Gregory is not ready to go on week one. Uh, Albert O will probably get to start if Greg Dulcich is still suffering with the hamstring. So some starters did play. Quinn Miners played. He asked the coaches to go into this game. Um, but for the most part, all the stars won't play. So we won't see the success of this method of training camp, this experiment, until maybe week two or three of the regular season. Then we can probably get a fair evaluation at that point. The only time we've had to, we've we've been able to see the Broncos ones operate against another team was the joint practice against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Right? How how revealing is that when you're not tackling, you got a quick whistle, it is practice, it's scripted periods. 
did we really get a good idea about this Broncos ones team versus the Cowboys in practice? Uh, no, I don't think it's possible. <sighs> While I just mentioned that, you know, the NFL is, you know, live or die every week. Every week you got to find a way to ramp it up. Every week you got to be at your, your best. Um, in the end, the best teams do that, but they also do it consistently. So I, I think it'd be foolish for anybody to evaluate uh, a team based on one joint practice. It's it's an unfair evaluation tool. Did the Cowboys prepare? Did the Cowboys do adjustments? The game is played with adjustments and preparation and game planning and uh, advanced scouting and all that kind of stuff. That wasn't part of the joint practice. Everyone was trying to execute their offense and their defense based on the, what they think is best for their team to give them a chance for the regular season, not to de- necessarily defend or to excel against this particular joint practice opponent. It's always going to be about what we want to do, what we want to pull off. And sometimes that matches up well, and sometimes it doesn't. The Cowboys' base defense, they like to kind of bring in an extra guy down the box. So it made sense that the Broncos didn't have very much success running the ball because of the structure of the Cowboys' defense. Um, the Bills do some, something similar sometimes. So there's that. If properly game plan, could the Broncos have had a better opportunity to run the ball against the Cowboys and the Bills? It's certainly possible. But there's some things structurally with the Cowboys and the Bills' base defenses that make it a little bit more difficult, you know, because that's what they want to do to run the ball against them. Preseason football is really difficult to judge because the goal is not to win. Your goal is not to win the Unless you're the Ravens. Unless you're the Ravens, right. Right. And they're trying to keep the streak alive. Right. Uh, but but for the most part, winning isn't the only thing, right? You're trying to learn a few things about some guys in particular. You're trying to get out of there uh, healthy. You're trying to get a look at every single guy on the roster type of thing. But winning isn't the most important thing, or at least to a lot of coaches. Some coaches it is, some it isn't. And so you find disparities like if you look at 2021, last year, in the preseason, the Bills, they went 3-0, and and they had a really good season. Now, the Cleveland Browns went 3-0 and last year in the preseason and didn't have a really good season. The Colts went 3-0 and in the preseason last year, had a pretty good season. Chiefs went 3-0, and but they play their starters. Yeah. We've been seeing Patrick Mahomes out there. We've been seeing all the games. Right? And, and so it's a different philosophy because on, on the flip side of that, the, uh, the L.A. Rams went 0-3. Didn't play any starters last year and won the Super Bowl. And so a lot of people point to them and say, that's the formula. But the Falcons also went 0-3 last year. They didn't do much, <laughs> right? And actually, three out of the four NFC North teams went 0-3 in the preseason last year. The Lions, the Packers, and the Vikings. Lions, not a good team. Packers, really good team. But they went 0-3. Who was the offensive coordinator there? Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett. So he feels comfortable going 0-3 in the preseason. But speaking of the Packers, Matt LaFleur said the starters may play in week three of this preseason. Okay. He may be changing his his thinking and trying to get his team <laughs> ready for week one, recognizing we can't just give away a game right. in week one. Okay. So in light of that, you're Nathaniel Hackett. Are you playing your guys in week three uh, based if, on what you just saw? If if I'm Nathaniel Hackett, uh, well, I, I guess there's a couple different ways we can phrase this. Am I putting on the Coach Hackett hat and I'm still Chad Brown, or am I putting myself in Coach Hackett's shoes? <sighs> That's tough. Because um, if I'm Chad Brown and you just give me Coach Hackett's hat and yeah. responsibility, um, I'm going to give you all kind of information about that 
after the break. Ooh. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Chad, before the break, we were talking about if you were Nathaniel Hackett after witnessing your team's performance in which they gave up 510 total yards, 9.1 yards per play. 10.1 in the first half, by the way. Guess how many third downs they had, the Bills, as an offense? Uh, Probably not very many. They didn't punt until, what, the fourth quarter. Three third downs. Only three third downs, 32 first downs, and three third downs. That means you're picking up the first down with only two plays. I would not want to be in those defensive meetings. I'm assuming they were this morning because Sunday typically is the player's day off in the preseason. So they're watching that tape and um, I'm sure getting an earful. Well, this offseason when Nathaniel Hackett came in and, and everything was great, you remember that? Yeah. Everything's great? You're great. great. We're great. This is great. You guys are great. I love you guys. You're great. This morning, it ain't great. No. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we talked about how's Nathaniel Hackett going to respond to adversity? How's this team going to respond when everything isn't great? Mm-hmm. And it is preseason. It doesn't matter uh, in the win and loss column. But as a team, you walk in after a, lot, a loss like that, and you can feel the gravity of the situation because you failed. Every man in that room has to look at each other and say, we failed. We failed to do what we were trying to do. The win, the loss, that's one thing, but we got pushed around in a sport where that's a no-no. So the question I posed to you before the break was, if you were Nathaniel Hackett, would you change things up? Would you play your guys in the third preseason game? Would you assess the situation as that, and that is my guys got beat up? How do I correct that course? Do I stay with what I'm doing and trust my process here, or, or do I amend it? And, and try to make things a little more physical and get them out there and get some experience in Game 3? I'm really curious about the overall mindset, you know, because Coach Hackett said a couple of times uh, in the last couple of weeks how much he does not like the preseason. And, you know, players typically don't hang around for coaches' press conferences, and, you know, the media staff doesn't drop off the head coach's quotes from any from press availability on every player's locker. So I'm not sure if every player heard Coach Hackett say that, but at some point, that that kind of message that you put out to the public and to the media gets through to your team. I think that creates a bit of a weird dynamic, a bit of an odd dynamic, because there are you know guys who are depending upon their jobs based on their preseason play. So it's clearly important to that guy, but then you don't like it. So how do you say, you know, I don't like it, but we got to find a play to well, play well. So that's a little, little bit of an odd dynamic for me right. uh, that I think, um, you, you know, how do you, how do you toe the line there? Uh, Coach how I, can you be upset, Coach? You don't even care about preseason. Right. Right? Right. You want me to go out there and bust my ass for it and you don't even care about it? Right. You right. know, yeah. 
So, you know, at the same time, Quinn Miners asked to be in this game because he thinks it's important for him to get reps. I love that. So, which I appreciate as well. And the coaches talked about how much they liked that. Mm -hmm. Yet and still, we got this weird dichotomy of, you know, I don't like the preseason. And you said that publicly. Um, I think that has some kind of effect in the locker room. Um, Okay, but the question was, if I were Coach Hackett. um, So, in this circumstance, I'll be Coach Hackett as this is Chad speaking as if I'm Coach Hackett. I'm not changing the thing. My starters aren't playing. This is the plan we came up with. This plan is based upon my experience, things I've seen the last couple of years in the league. I think what we're doing in practice gives us a great chance to be successful in week one. And I recognize that there's a bit of a give and take. But I, as I weigh out the risk-reward ratio, I put it, I see far too much risk of losing some players that we're counting on for this year to, to, to really see the reward uh, as enough to warrant that. So if I'm Coach Hackett, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm going to do. Now, is Chad Brown walking and putting on the Coach Hackett hat? If that's the case, then yeah, my starters will play, and I am going to I'm going to do a little bit of game planning for this week. Not extensive, not a full game plan, but as a bit of a mock game in preparation for week one where you will have a full game plan, me and my staff will game plan a little bit for week three. And my guys will be armed to be able to go out and give themselves the opportunity to play well. So when this is all said and done, and I have to sit down with you as a player and let you know that you didn't get it done, I can feel very comfortable on my side of the desk that I did everything possible to give you an opportunity to play successfully. We put a little bit of a game plan in. I emphasize the importance of this week. We found a way to ramp it up during the week and have a couple more physical practices to correct some of the physical errors that happened out there. It's easy to correct all the scheme and execution errors, but the physical errors that happened out there, those can only be corrected through physical practices to correct those errors. You can't watch tape and go, oh, I got it. I didn't bend my knees enough there, coach. Somehow I've got it all down. No, you need to go out and practice bending your knees and shocking somebody with your hands and your shoulder pads to be good at that if you're Nick Bonino or if you're Barry Browning. So those kind of things have to happen uh, for me if I'm Chad Brown putting on that Coach Hackett hat to feel comfortable about those conversations on cut down day that I gave you every chance to be successful. You're talking about cut-down day. There are, there are different things that a coach is juggling at a time like this. Yes, we're trying to get our guys ready for week one. And, um, you know, Nathaniel Hackett doesn't like preseason because it puts these guys in harm's way. But you're also trying to figure out who the guys are on, your, on this 90-man, well, 85-man roster now, who are going to belong on the 53-man. 80? 80. Tomorrow by 2, uh, two, uh, two o'clock tomorrow. Okay, so they're to cut five guys. I think the cuts are going to be today, according to Mike Kliss. Okay, so you're you getting down to 80, guys. you got 80 for this last game. you got to figure out who you have on this team. And there are guys fighting for their professional lives. When I go back to you know my memory of my preseason days, I had to play well to make the team. I couldn't do what those guys did right. out there. And so I wonder... Are you impressing enough on these guys that your run might be over here? We are analyzing everything you do individually because, hey, you know, it's not the end of the world if we don't win this game. But if you don't show up, then you are not going to be on this team. How important is that message for these guys? Because I got to know if if I put you out there in a game, if you're a number two, you're a backup, you suit up on game day. One of my guy goes guys goes down. You go in in the middle of the third quarter in a close game. I got to know you're going to be able to hold your own versus a one. Right, So how important is it to show the coaches right now in preseason that you're going to fight 
every single play that you're not going to take preseason or any rep you get lightly. Okay, so when I did my internship in Seattle, um, after I met with Coach Carroll, I went and met with the assistant head coach. Um, great guy, and he was like, okay, so you were here for you know six weeks of the preseason. Give me your thoughts. And one of my thoughts was, it's too much great around here. Everything ain't great. And you guys are going to have to get down to 53 in a couple days. And there are going to be players who are going to be genuinely shocked. There was too many syllables in there. Genuinely genuinely shocked when they get released. Because everything's great and everything's positive. But their play hasn't all been great and positive. And even if it has been, they're not stacking up to the player who's in front of them on the depth chart. So I think some in some ways... All this great, 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 everything's great. Yeah, it was great practice, great energy, great tempo. You played great. That was a great tackle. At some point, you got to get a little bit more critical with people and tell people a little bit harsher message. Um, and so to your point, I think Coach Hackett and the players who are on the bubble would be well served by a resetting of the land as far as the message. The message is you got to play great this week to make this football team. Look around. We've got all these starters who are already in place. If you want to be one of the 53 who rolls with this this season, what happened against Buffalo can't happen again. That level was unacceptable. I've got to see guys busting their butts. I've got to see great execution. I've got to see great technique. we got to find a way to step it up. I know I said some things about the preseason that, uh, you know, maybe didn't make it easy for you guys to get fully prepared here, but the message has flipped. It's less about the starters, and who's going to play and all that stuff, and more about what you are going to do, Mr. Number 3, Mr. Number 2 on the depth chart, and how you're going to make this team. Uh, Trey Quinn found a way to step up and elevate his game. Can you match that? Can you bring that same kind of level of intensity to here in Game 3 so you make this decision as difficult for me as possible? Bill Belichick is is the best coach in the history of football, right? The best coach? Best coach. Best. Best. Uh, is is, is he the goat? Is he the goat? In my opinion, yes. A lot of it's, it's, the skins in the wall count for something. It's not a trick question. Just okay. say yes. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. So so he's had a lot of assistants that have that have left him and and not been able to find success. A lot because they do what they saw work there, mm-hmm. right? And it didn't work elsewhere. Is Nathaniel Hackett doing the same thing he saw in Green Bay? And if he is, does he need to adjust that to his new team that is not the same team? Every team is different. Every every year is different. Even if you're the returning coach with a mostly same team, but it's a different year, you've got to find a to re, way to reset everything. You cannot just keep things absolutely the same. There has to be some newness, and you've got to approach each year a little bit separately. So your messaging, your tone, your your uh, logos, your uh, catchphrases for the year have to change from year to year. So to expect you to be able to replicate the program that LaFleur had in Green Bay and bring that here, that's an unrealistic expectation because there's all those other pieces of the puzzle that Green Bay had in place that just simply weren't in place here. So you have to evaluate the situation separately, differently, and take the experiences you got in Green Bay and somehow mold them into the Broncos experience. You can't be Green Bay 2.0. You got to be Nathaniel Hackett's Broncos 1.0 first. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett's Broncos, he's going to get there. I know a lot of people, including Cecil Lamy, think this is a Super Bowl team this year. I wonder if he still thinks so. But he's saying, yes, expect the Super Bowl, year one. Why not? 
were the Denver Broncos. I do think it. (laughs) I do think it could take a little time for Nathaniel Hackett to figure out how to be a head coach. What works for him? What works for Andrew Mason? We're going to find out next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Mucho gusto. And welcome back, Chad and Nate. We have uh, our senior Broncos writer at DenverFan.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline right now. Andrew Mason, what's going on, Andrew? Hey, not much. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So I've been following your Twitter account the last couple of days, and you have been vehemently defending the idea of not playing starters in the preseason game, even after the Broncos were uh, dismantled in Buffalo. And I understand... Um, I understand your position. Do you think there is any concern, though, that the Broncos will not be ready for week one? I think there's a concern, yes, but, I mean, that's part of the – it's part of the risk. I mean, there's a there's an injury risk when you play your starters, and then there's a risk of not being prepared. And in fairness, uh, it's actually interesting to point out something that um, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay said over the weekend um, when – he said, "Hey, he's you know he's even considering playing his, some of his starters for a little bit in the Packers preseason finale on Thursday." And I think that's that's interesting because a lot of the re, part, a good part of the reason why Nathaniel Hackett isn't playing his starters, is he talked about what they did in Green Bay, and of course, before worked under Sean McVay. Sean McVay doesn't uh, play his starters in the preseason at all out with the Rams. So it's interesting to me that Lafleur's rethinking that rethinking that and. Maybe Hackett rethinks that as well. But I mean, again, what, you know, it's everything is cost benefit, risk reward. Um, I would say this, if you look at the, at the, at the top level Broncos uh, that are being played, if you say went through the 10 most prominent players that have played over the last two games in terms of what their plan was on the roster form, two of them are sitting there with dislocated elbows right now because that's your, number two inside linebacker and your number four cornerback. And then Malik Reed got poked in the eye and they're lucky that wasn't something uh, a little more serious, serious than it uh, appeared to be at the time. So I mean, to me, that sort of shows, all right, yeah, that's, that's the risk you run. And is it really worth it? Okay. Mace. So separate from the starter question uh, in the second half, the bills pulled their starters. Um, so it was a, it was a fair fight, um, but the fight still was not fair. Uh, the Bills had, uh, what, four rushing touchdowns. Uh, actually, one of those was called back. So they had five rushing touchdowns where the ball carrier went into the end zone untouched. Uh, so the, the starter issue can be removed from the question, for the, at least for the second half. This Broncos team was out-physicaled, uh, outmanned, and outgunned on both the offensive and defensive lines. They were, and now I mean, the second half it was the score. In the end, the score was fourteen, was fourteen nine. So the second, like if you look, at, took at the second half and kind of looked at it just in a micro or in a macro, kind of stepping back and saying, okay, it it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't something where the disparity would have raised eyebrows in terms of how it finished. Now up front, yeah, that was a con- that was a concern, and it really wasn't until the second half that you saw the front seven get any consistent, get, get any consistent pr- 
uh, pressure into the backfield, both in terms of uh, stopping the run and in pass protection. Now, you're not going to obviously you're not going to have that many backups when you get to the regular season, but is it fair to be concerned about the depth on the defensive line? Yeah, I mean that is a spot where you you trade Shelby Harris as part of the Russell Wilson deal, um, and there is a there is a little bit of a, of a drop off there when you get into that second and third and third team. There were there on the defensive line in particular, not really anybody stu- stood out. I mean, basically, I, when I was rewatching yesterday, Matt Henningsen kind of stood his ground. But you didn't. But too often you were seeing the defensive line get pushed back. And then another thing that happened in terms of the run defense was you had a lot of missed tackles. I believe that in, this was true also uh, after receptions as well. But I believe there were twelve missed tackles by the Broncos in the game. And so what you'd expect the linebackers to clean up, they weren't cleaning up. And so that that too was a concern. Although with Joe Schobert, who did who did. Uh, miss at least one tackle in the game. I think part of it was simply, as he explained to me after the game, that he's still learning the scheme, and at this point, he's still thinking rather than reacting. He's hoping that after another week or two, he's going to be able to get to where he doesn't have to think; he can just react, and that might be that split second he needs to be in position to make a better tackle. Okay, Andrew. So uh, last week against the Cowboys, the the two quarterbacks that are vying for the number two spot, Brett Rippon and Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson shined. Uh, he threw a couple touchdowns. Uh, he had a really good first half, put up 17 points. Brett Rippon came in in the second half, had a, had a pretty good half, not quite as good as Josh Johnson. It looks like against the Bills, that was reversed a bit. Josh Johnson struggled. Brett Rippon went 22 of 26 for 191 yards and one touchdown. What are your takeaway of, of that competition and how that played out in the game on Saturday? Well, I still think Josh Johnson's ahead based on the overall body of work and then even kind of looking at what he was dealing with. I mean, to, to his credit, you know, Johnson, he was under siege for most of the first half uh, whenever, when he dropped back to throw and he wasn't, he was eight for 16, but he didn't make any big mistakes. He didn't make a mistake that turned uh, something bad into something worse. And so while I think while Rippon did some good things in the second half, I, I still think that the, the job is Josh Johnson's, to lose as, as the number two quarterback. I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see if they reverse who starts this week and if it's Brett Rippon or Josh, oh, Josh Johnson. That might indicate that things are more in play. But if we see Josh Johnson starting on Saturday against Minnesota, pretty clearly that's the direction everything uh, is is going in. So it was a good day for Rippon. Don't know that it was good enough for him to, to, to make it a, a 50-50 competition. Uh, we saw some of the uh, young receivers kind of emerge last week. Mace, um, you guys like Brandon uh, Williams, guys like that. Uh, we've already saw Martrell Washington seemingly solidify a roster spot, not just as a uh, returner, but also as a receiver. Now this week, uh, this past week, we saw the emergence of uh, Trey Quinn have a couple of nice plays, particularly in the fourth quarter. The connection between him and Brett Rippon was quite strong. Uh, this wide receiver room got, what, uh, three guys? Uh, possibly Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton, and KJ Hamler, who are solid locks. Montreal Washington would be number four. Uh, how many receivers do you think they'll keep, uh, and who do you think makes his final receiver room roster? Well, ultimately, I think they end up keeping six. And uh, you, uh, if they keep a seventh, it means they went one short at, tie, at tight end, or they decided to uh, have and try to get fullback out of the other four tight ends rather than having Andrew Becca. Uh, be there as a fullback. So it's going to be six or seven. 
And and then the question then becomes, okay, what skill set are you looking for? Trey Quinn, good route runner, although didn't really help his cause by by uh, fumbling a kickoff there in the second half, although he did recover it. So special teams comes into play as well. Dwayne Stuke, special teams coordinator, continues to say that Tyree Cleveland, who's been hurt the last few weeks of taking the shot and throat, he's that he's still a core special teamer, but at the same time, knows that, hey, what's going on wide receiver is going to help determine uh, the back end of that. So, I mean, you're looking at special teams roles. Obviously, Montreal Washington has a special teams role. I think kickoff and punt returner, the job is his. He's shown explosiveness, and I think the key thing is decisiveness. He's not to... You know, he, he, he's not wavering around he, he and waiting for something and, and, and doubling back. He's very decisive. He's trying to go, he's trying to go forward. I think he's got good instincts for that position. But then, but then beyond that, okay, who's going to contribute the most on special teams? That's where someone like Seth Williams, uh, it, playing multiple special teams roles comes into play. Where someone like Kendall Hinton as well ends up, ends up flashing. So it's, it's wide open at this point. Really just kind of depends what the Broncos want and what the role on, on special teams is going to be. But uh, uh, Quinn has had some good practice days as well. And kind of, and like Brandon Johnson, there were days in training camp where he was working up there uh, with the first team. So Johnson got, uh, obviously got the spotlight last week, but Trey Quinn's uh, resume is kind of similar to his, except, He's got more experience here. He's been through a few training camps, whereas Johnson is a rookie. If they're tied on all counts, fellas, I think they may opt for the younger guy and the upside with then Trey Quinn kind of being someone who's a little more, who's more of a known commodity at this point. But it's pr- it's pretty wide open right now. It's just it's like going to the ice cream shop. What flavor do you want? Because they're all slightly different. Andrew, you mentioned the tight end group as well, and Andrew Beck uh, being a kind of a bubble guy. Are they going to want to keep him around? Uh, do they appreciate his skill set? Are they going to uh, choose to bolster the receiver room instead? Albert Okawebanam played a lot of snaps uh, for a starter um, in preseason game number two. How do you see that tight end room shaking, shaping out? Well, if they keep, I mean, it's possible they could, if they keep Beck that they could end up with five tight ends with Beck as kind of that fullback role. But going back and re and rewatching it, I mean, he. He struggled. He struggled in his role as a in, as a blocker. He didn't get many snaps uh, on Saturday, but when he did, there were a couple of times that he just that uh, he ended up not being able to, to hold his block, and the run play uh, devolved from from there. So I think that's a little bit of concern. And also, how much are you going to use that fullback when you get to the season? I mean, if you look at the other tight ends, maybe it's fair to say, all right. If we need a fullback, can we move Eric Tomlinson back there in the backfield? Can we move Eric Salbert back there in the backfield? And that's something that with Salbert, we've seen that uh, in training camp at times. Can he handle that role for his limited uh, amount of, of, of snaps as we're going to have with a fullback aligned? That, and I think that kind of come, comes into play here. Until you get Greg Dolcic back, I think you still have to keep Eric Salbert because uh, you don't have any one tight end uh, in terms of when you've got Tomlinson or or um, Oak Webinom who can be that kind of every down, don't tip your hand when they're uh, on, on the field type of player. So, uh, and Salbert was an, uh, Salbert also, even though he didn't start, he played on the first series and he played into the fourth quarter as well. So, I mean, it was it was interesting how long or how much run they were giving of those th- those two tight ends in particular and. I mean, I think that the long the hope months ago was that Greg was that Greg Dolcich could be the all around guy, but 
with a hamstring. I don't know that they can rely on them. They may be boxed into a corner where they have to keep at least four and possibly five. Mm. As usual, great stuff, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, fellas. Have a great thanks. Have a great have a great day, guys. You too. That's senior Broncos writer at DenverFan.com, Andrew Mason. Uh, when we get back, we're going to dive into our distraction segment, and we're going to talk about dirty, dirty football plays. That's next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.